Thank you. You may be seated for just a moment. I'll get you back up later. Don't worry. So I am Pastor Shane Stone. I am your associate pastor, and Pastor Alex is not here this week. Uh, so I get the privilege and the honor of bringing forth the word, and uh, I do not count that lightly. And I am so thankful for a God that says, I want you to preach to the church, but before you do, I need to preach to you. And he has just opened my eyes and, and just touched my heart this week, just within our prayer time together and our time spent together reading his word. So I'm looking forward to, to bringing forth the word today, and we're going to continue on with He Changes Everything. We're just shifting over to the Advent portion of He Changes Everything. Those of you that have been around for a few years, you know that the first Advent day typically is not peace. So we're, we're really mixing it up on you guys, and we're going to change it up on you, because today we're going to talk about peace and talk about the Advent of peace, and He Changes Everything. Amazingly, the candle has been lit. Isn't that awesome? And uh, shalom has been stated, and we're so thankful for that as well. Shalom is a Hebrew word meaning peace, harmony, wholeness, completeness, prosperity, welfare, and tranquility. Shalom is the ideal for our individual hearts and lives and also for the creation as a whole. It's the return to God's original creation. Back when, when Adam and Eve was in the garden, there was tranquility, there was wholeness, there was completeness, there was fulfillment, there was an interaction into the depth of the Spirit of God as they walked around and they ate the fruit and all these things happening. And then we lost that. As humanity, the sin of man, we lost that. Then through the entire Old Testament, God developed a plan that, that unfolds the reestablishment of his shalom upon earth. Through the line of Abraham, God tells us that he will, be, he will bless all men through the lineage of, of Abraham and who he is. In Ezekiel 34, 24, and 25, he actually says, he, being God, made a covenant of peace with his people. Now, I am not of Jewish descent, but I am of spiritual descent. When I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and he received me as his child, I now have the ability to be called his child and receive the promises of him that he portrayed in the word of God. Please understand that. The promised Messiah that came, and we all know him well, is Jesus Christ our Savior. He was called, as we sang about and we read earlier, wonderful counselor, mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government, the greatness of his kingdom. But he didn't stop there at the greatness of his kingdom. He said the greatness of his kingdom and peace will have no end. There's a reason why he said peace will have no end. Because peace is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has no end. He had no beginning. He has no end. John 1 and 1 says he was there at the very beginning. He created all things through his voice and through the utterance of his speech. He was there at the beginning. He's going to be there at the end. And that God of peace is my God of peace. And in Micah 5, 5, it says he himself will be our peace. I'm going to exercise you today by asking you to stand for the reading of the text and the word. 
We stand for those that are watching online or those that are here new. We stand for the reading of the word because we believe it is the infallible word of Jesus Christ and of God. It is truth and we stand in honor of it. So in Galatians 5, chapter 5, verses 22 through 24, it says, and you can read with me if you would like, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Almighty Holy Spirit, we cry upon you today. We ask you, Lord Jesus, that you take the word that is presented through your written word and through the word spoken through me, your willing vessel. I pray that you open up our ears that we may hear exactly what you have for us. Open our eyes so that we may see the truth that you have in front of us. And by faith, let it receive it in the name of Jesus Christ. And we all said, amen. amen. You may be seated. The fruit of the Spirit is just that. It is spirit. It is spiritual. When you look at every facet of the fruit of the Spirit, God is love. It is God's character. God is love. God is joy. God is peace. He is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These things are God. A-R-E, God, who is our O-U-R, God. So when we talk about the Word of God, which is truth, infallible, it is right and just, we talk about the fruits of the Spirit and how we need to receive the fruits of the Spirit in all of its splendor and glory, we're really receiving the depths of God's character within us, living in us, so that it can then turn and flow out of us and be a part of God's kingdom. We must walk in the Spirit, talk in the Spirit, let our eyes see through the Spirit. And I can already ask the question that you're asking right now is, well, how in the world do we do that? Because I also ask that same question. God, show me more. Show me more of your depths of how we walk in the Spirit and do these things and allow these things to be manifested in us. 12, uh, Romans 12, 2 says, And do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Not the word of God, but Pastor Shane Stone adding his thoughts to that is that which is shalom, which is the depth of peace, which is the fruit of his righteousness. John 14, 27 in the New Living Translation says, I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is the gift the world cannot. So don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. I shared in the first service this, this simple illustration and the fact that if I walk over here to Brother Nate, and I'm going to pick on him again because he's got his Texas shirt on. If I walk over here to Brother Nate and I give him a beautifully packaged gift, I mean beautiful, in a box, beautifully wrapped, bow on top with ribbon. I mean, just gorgeous gift. If I walk over and I hand that to Brother Nate, he looks at it, he thanks me for it, and then he sets it up on a shelf. What good is that gift? If he takes the wrapping off and the bow off, but he doesn't actually open the box and get into the depth of what that gift was, what good is that gift? 
Nothing. So when we're talking about peace this morning, we're understanding through the word of God that Jesus says the gift is given. But we, our part, we must open that gift, we must grab hold of that gift, and we must ingest and apply that gift into our lives, or it's just a gift that looks good, feels good, and thankful for, but it doesn't have any effect in my life. I challenge you today as you're hearing the word of God, don't grab the gift and put it on the shelf. Don't thank God for what he has for you and then not grab hold of it and receive it and apply it and use it. That's not what today is about for you. You're here for a reason. Pastor Jensen Franklin at, in the Georgia church, he said a couple of years ago in a message about Advent, he said, you can control what goes on in your mind by filling it with God's word. Do you believe that? If you believe that, let me hear you amen. amen. All right, some of you aren't asleep, good. But here's what else he said. The word of God that is read casually, that is read chapter by chapter because I have to get through a chapter today so that I can fulfill it, so by the end of the year I can get through the word of God. When I read it like a novel and when I read it because I feel like that's what a good Christian's supposed to do, does nothing. It is the gift of God that has been placed upon the shelf that I'm not digesting, that I'm not mentally grabbing hold of and placing it within the depth of my life. But when I grab and mentally process and study the depth of the word, and when I find that scripture verse that goes along with my circumstances and my situations, because there is nothing you are going through that Jesus didn't go through, and there is nothing you're going through that already hasn't been presented in the Word of God on what it is and how to get through it. Nothing. So whatever you're going through and whatever life situation you're in, the Word of God has something for you if you digest it and apply it to your life. Stand on it in times of crisis. Speak it out. Speak it out. One example, and I'm going to share a few stories. I'm going to challenge you if you take notes, write notes down. I'm, I'm reading a lot of scripture today, more than I normally do. But um, if, if not, and you're not a note taker, go back and listen to it through the week. Let God digest it with you through that time. There's a story that I love in Mark 4, 35 through 41. We all know it well. Jesus had did, just been with people, a lot of people. He had just done some miracles. He preached. He did all these things. They go down, and, they, and Jesus says, let's get into the boat, and let's get to the other side. So he tells his disciples, come on, let's go. Let's get in the boat. We're going to the other side. During the travel, Jesus goes down. He lays down, and he goes to sleep. He is peace, by the way, so of course he's going to lay down and sleep. His disciples are up at the top, and all of a sudden, the word of God says a squall or a great storm comes upon the ship. During this storm, waves are crashing, the wind's set hoard. I mean, it's just loud. I mean, just you can't see 10 feet in front of the boat. It's just going crazy. I mean, they're getting wet and drenched because of the storm and everything that's going on in their circumstance. And in their mind, all that begins taking place is worry, doubt, and fear. We're going to die. The boat's going to capsize. We're going we're, we're to drown. All these situations are going on. And it just keeps building and building and building in their, in their minds. Until ultimately they go down to Jesus, they tap him, again, he's asleep, they tap him on, they wake him up, and they shout to him, don't you care that we're going to die? Jesus, 
After all, and this is what I, I love in my portion of the story, out of all the things you just did, you just said to the people, you just did miracles, you just did all these wonderful things, don't you care that we're going to die? Now again, Jesus felt everything we feel, so I have a feeling he had a little frustration build up right at that moment. He had a little look on his face that probably wasn't too godly for just a moment until he realized, wait a minute, I'm peace, let me take care of this. And he walks up to the top of the boat. For many, many years in my mind, Daniel, I thought when Jesus Christ raises his hands and says, peace be still, it's because peace was being chaotic at the moment. And that's why we had the waves. And that's why the winds were blowing because he, he cried out to peace to be still. But in my studies and in my, in my true depth of meditation, Jesus said, I wasn't crying out for peace to be still. I was telling your circumstance who I am. See, when you see peace in Scripture, there's a comma behind it. It's not peace be still in a continuation sentence. It's peace. He was crying out to his circumstance, whoa, wait a minute, winds, waves. Wait a minute, fears and doubts of my wonderful uh, men, followers. Peace, that's me. I am peace. And then he looked to the circumstance and said, now be quiet and be still. And the winds calmed. And the winds calmed. I want you to grasp this this morning. Jesus is the peace of our lives and he is declaring the peace in your circumstance, in your situation. He is peace. He is declaring that moment. But in that moment of declaration, if we as his followers take that gift of peace and place it up on the shelf, it's just something that looks good and it's never a part. But when I can digest that and understand that my God who is greater than me, who understands my circumstances, who already has the answers to all of my questions, who has the power and the strength and the might to overcome all that I will ever deal with, cries out, I am peace. And when you allow me to come into your situation, the will of God could be taken. There's two things that not only the disciples forgot, but sometimes we forget in our own lives and circumstances as well. Number one, what was said and who said it? God, who created and fashioned and formed the heavens and the earth, the ground, the, the plants, the fish, the seas. He fashioned it, why? By just speaking it into existence. That same God is the same God who is peace in our circumstance. And if we will steal our minds and our hearts and cry out to God that says, God, I don't understand and I am worried and I am fearful, but I know that you are peace. Come into my circumstance now. Come into my circumstance and be that peace. I know what your word says. You said it. I can believe it. They also forgot who was with them. I mean, the disciples were running around. I have no doubt they had buckets and they were trying to get the water and dump it back over the side like that's going to do anything. They were, they were just chaotic in their mindset and their thinking. 
If they really understood the depth of who was with them, they wouldn't have even been on top deck. They would have been down with him, laying right beside him, letting the waves that were there rock them to sleep like a little baby, and they would have enjoyed a rest and a peaceful time. But instead, they were living in a life of their flesh, and it was going chaotic and, and psychotic. I mean, you name all the oddics that there are, these disciples had them at that time because they were in their flesh moment. And God is crying out today that says, I am spirit. Those who worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. And if you want to really receive the gifts that I have in you, then you better get out of the flesh and get into the spiritual realm. And you better start digesting my word and understanding the depths of my word and quit rolling in your circumstance, but start speaking out the truth of my word over your circumstance. And I want to share right now, I'm not belittling anyone's circumstance. Everyone's circumstance, big and small, is is huge in, in your world. I have people here that have lost loved ones. I have friends that have, have been diagnosed with cancer. A lot of things that I am not belittling your circumstance and situation. But I have been sent today by God to tell you that there is a God named Jesus Christ who not only bore your sins for you and saved you from sin and hell and the grave, but he also is that gift of peace and he's waiting on you to open that gift and grab hold of that peace and pull it into your bosom and just, just, just hold on to that peace until it becomes not just a theory of the word of God, but it becomes the application of the word of God within our lives. And within our truth. Second Peter 1, 1 and 2 says, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Pastor Alex last week, I believe it was, or two weeks ago, said this knowledge that it's talking about, it's not about just reading the text of a, of a book or of a word. It's about knowing the depth, the magnitude, the power, the anointing, and the truth of that which is being said and shared. That's what we are grabbing onto. Jesus was in the storm. The disciples were in the storm. Waves were hitting, everything happening. Same situation, two different reactions. I have a feeling in today's chaotic world of our government, our situation, our finances, everything that's happening, Are we getting caught up like the disciples of getting fleshly and worried and weary and just really getting stressed out? Or can we step back and realize that my God is greater than all these things that are going on and his will is already planned and in in process to be fulfilled? And when I step over into this realm of my spiritual walk with Christ, I know that it may not feel good what we're going through, but there is another side. The word of God says Jesus told his disciples, get in the boat, we're going to the other side. My spirit, the disciples' spirit should have known, I don't care what comes, a tornado could have come and flipped the boat around in round, 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 but my spirit says, Jesus Christ says, I'm going to the other side, then I'm going to the other side. No matter my circumstances, no matter what's going on, When I get into the spiritual realm, I can have confidence in God and who he is. The only power worry and fear have over you 
is the power you give it. It's what you give it. It's what you allow to take place. That's the only thing that it has over you. And as soon as we capture the word of God today that says Jesus is not only my rock and my fortress and my salvation, but he is my peace. And when I can step up on the platform of Jesus Christ and say, God, let your peace flow over me. I am, I am mentally going crazy. I'm not sleeping. Things are happening. All this stuff's going on. But when that happens, I can still step before God and say, Jesus, peace, Jesus, peace, come. I need you. And the word of God says, I am always there. That's what he says. Jesus says, I am always with you. I have never left you, nor will I ever leave you. We've talked about the disciples and their situation. I want to bring up another one in the book of Acts, chapter 6 and 7. There's another young man named Stephen. What a story and what a circumstance and situation this young man went through. Before the Sanhedrin court, he was being falsely accused for his preachings and his teachings. During that time, the word of God says, the court looked upon him and they said, Stephen, your face, your face looks like an angel. I mean, we are telling you that you are the horrible upon horribles, that you're wrong, you're false, you're a false teacher, a false preacher, all these things, and your face is like an angel. Why? Because Stephen was standing on the spiritual side of things. He wasn't listening to the words that man was saying about them. He was listening to the words that Jesus was saying about him. He was looking past his circumstance and seeing a God of gods and a Lord of lords that is all-powerful and all-knowing. And when they drug him out to the street and began stoning him, that change did not, it didn't change. Matter of fact, the word of God says he looked past them into the heavens and he saw the glory of God. And when he saw the glory of God, he saw Jesus standing at the right side of the throne and he cried out, Receive my spirit into heaven. He was looking past his circumstance. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty rough circumstance. Not only to be falsely accused or to be stoned to death is a pretty bad circumstance. But can I share this with you? The will of God has a purpose even in these circumstances because if it was not for Stephen, if it was not for the look of the angel upon his face, upon the character of seeing the glory of God, if it was not for this circumstance in Stephen's life, Saul would have not turned into Paul. We would not have 13 books of the New Testament. We would not have a rock and foundation of our church and who he was. None of that would have happened if it wasn't for the act and will of God pulling out through Stephen's circumstance. Some of your circumstances may become fatal. But God is still with you. And the will of God can still come through that circumstance in all things. I was with Miss DeYoung, uh, Naomi DeYoung, at the hospital this week on Friday. And, and it was, I, I, I honestly, I'm going to be honest with you. You're going to see me at hospital visits, but I hate hospitals. Yeah, I, I despise walking in hospitals. It's, it just, it's just not for me. But when I got in her room, guess what I saw? I saw a wonderful lady having a hard time breathing, struggling to breathe, in pain, struggling. Spoke with her and the family for a little bit of time, and then all of a sudden, God said, sing over her. Now, you got to remember, this is probably the first time I've ever met her because I'm new. 
And I looked at her and I said, do you like music? And she just smiled and says, oh, yes. And I said, do you like the, old, the new stuff or the old stuff? Oh, definitely the old stuff. And I said, how about this song? Peace, peace, wonderful peace, coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever, I pray, in fathomless billows of love. We felt the unctioning of the Holy Spirit during that time, and here's what I saw with my personal physical eyes. A woman who is in anguish to even take breaths, calmed for just a moment. Her chest that was just struggling to even get breath, calmed, and she was breathing normally at that moment. Can I say that that stayed and that, that manifested itself to a complete healing? No, I can't say that, but I can say this. God was in the room. God touched her physically, emotionally, and I believe spiritually at that very moment and reminded her, I am with you. I am here. And I believe he's tapping you on the shoulder right where you sit today and he's reminding you, I am here and I am with you. Our wonderful worship pastor Brad and his lovely wife Ashley, I know it's a struggle to move from one, one state to another state. I've been there. I've, I've felt that. Sometimes they're anguished because of what you've done, but I believe God is tapping you on the shoulder and say, I'm here. You're here for a reason and I'm here with you. He's looking at your circumstances of where you are and he's saying the same thing. I'm here. I am your rock. I am your peace. I am your comfort and all that's going on. In the book of John, chapter 16, verse 33, it says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Not me, but Jesus. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. In all that it has, he is the overcomer. So what's my part in all of this? My part in all of this is to be the believer. Did you know that the Word of God says it takes by faith salvation to come? That by faith I must go to Jesus Christ who is the one who came as a baby, was born, who, who had a ministry, died upon a cross, rose again from the grave that he died upon and was ascended to heaven. By faith I must acknowledge that and ask for forgiveness to receive it. But did you know that it's by that same faith that I'm supposed to take that gift of, of peace down off the shelf and begin opening the box, tearing off the wrappers and the bows, and reaching in and grabbing hold of that gift that God has given me, which is peace? I'm not going to always understand it. I'm not going to always see how it fits in that moment and in that time. But when I grab it and I bring it to my bosom and I hold on to it, at God's appointed will and time, it will begin manifesting over me. Peace, peace, wonderful peace. Psalms 29 and 11 says, The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. As the worship team comes, in closing, it's a step of faith today to allow God to manifest himself in your circumstance. It's a step of faith today to be able to cry out and say, I'm in anguish, turmoil. 
I'm weary. I'm struggling. My father passed this summer. There's days that I think upon him and call upon him as my mentor. But can I share this with you? I have not mourned like my family has mourned. Because during the week of his death, I cried out to God and said, God, I need your peace like I've never felt before. And amazingly, I can look back and I can see the exact moment of time, the exact moment in my bedroom where I felt the presence of the Lord come, and I have not mourned like that again. Not everybody's going to be the same, but I can tell you, I grabbed onto that gift that night. I reached out and grabbed that gift and I pulled it into myself. And I said, the best thing that I can do for my earthly father is to preach the word of God, to be a Christian, to be a representative of the kingdom. And the greatest thing that I can do for my heavenly father is to step over into the spiritual realm and to walk my life out in the spirit, to see in the spirit, to talk in the spirit, to live in the spirit, and receive all that the word of God has given to us. As I close these altars, I'm opening these altars up for you. I don't know your circumstance or situation, but I know this. God's bigger. God is stronger. And by faith, if you're willing to come to an altar and pray, I believe God is going to be here and he will meet with you right where you're at. They're going to sing a song, and while they're singing, feel free to come down and pray and be a part if you choose. I know you can pray where you're at. I know you can pray standing up, laying down, walking out of the building. I get all that. But there is something about faith that steps out of a pew and out of a chair and obedience that walks down to an altar and says, God, I need you. 2 Thessalonians 3 and 16, as I finish, says this. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times, in every way. The Lord be with all of you today.